Manchakapatruyasya-kripa-sindhubya-eva-ca-patita-nam-bhavanibhyo-vaishnabhyo-namo-namo-he-kishnakarana-sindhu-dinabandho-jagapate-gopesha-gopika-kanta-radha-kan
Lord Krishna and several of the Lord's sons, headed by Samba and Pradyumna, went to the city of Bojakarta. Okay, so that's how it's all going to start. But I think we have to back up one verse to get a bit of context. As you'll see, this is um, family affairs, which are a little complicated. And I think this is relevant uh, for, uh, in relation to the final, no, the penultimate verse of this chapter. Uh, translation of verse 25, Rukmi gave his granddaughter Rochana to his daughter's son, Anirudha. Okay. Despite Rukmi's relentless feud with Lord Hari. Hmm. Although Rukmi considered this marriage irreligious. Uh -huh. He wanted to please his sister, who is Rukmini's sister, Rukmini. Bound as he was by the ropes of affection. <laughs> uh, why is it, why does he consider it an irreligious marriage? That's explained in the purport. Sridhar Swami says, uh, one should not eat an enemy's food or feed an enemy. Um, and then he explains, one should not execute religious injunctions if they will obstruct one's journey to heaven or if they are odious to human society. Um, all of which is to say, um, according to worldly standards, one should not give one's beloved granddaughter to the grandson of one's bitter enemy. But Rukmi's doing that anyway. Why? He wants to please his sister Rukmi. And why does he want to please his sister Rukmi? He's bound by the ropes of affection. Well, let's see what happens. After the wedding, a group of arrogant kings, headed by the king of Kalinga, told Rukmi, you should defeat Balaram at dice. He is not expert at dice, O king, but still, he's quite addicted to it. Who does that remind you of? Yudhishthir, <laughs> huh? right. Thus advised, Rukmi challenged Balaram and began a gambling match with him. In that match, Lord Balaram first accepted a wager, uh, here we go, of 100 coins, and it's uh, explained in one of these purports that these were gold coins. Yes, in this purport. Uh, he accepted a wager of 100 coins, then 1,000, then 10,000. Rukmi won this first round. And the king of Kalinga laughed loudly at Lord Balaram showing all his teeth. Lord Balaram could not tolerate this. Purport, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti explains that the wagers consisted of gold coins. Lord Balaram inwardly became quite angry when he saw the gross offense of the king of Kalinga. Kalinga, correct me if I'm wrong, would be uh, what is now Odisha? I think so, in any case. Tato, Laksham, Rukmi, Agrinad, Glaham, Tatra, Jayatpala, Jitavan, Aham, Iti, Ah, 
Rukmi Kaitavam Ashita. Next, Rukmi accepted a bet of 100,000 coins, which Lord Balaram won. But Rukmi tried to cheat, declaring, I am the winner. Shaking with anger like the ocean on the full moon day, handsome Lord Balaram, his naturally reddish eyes even redder in his fury, accepted a wager of 100 million gold coins. (laughs) I think this uh, verse is a nice meditation. You can picture, picture Lord Balara shaking with anger. He's the supreme personality of Godhead, right? Which means he is supremely self-controlled, right? In his supreme self-control, he is shaking with anger (laughs) like an ocean on the full moon day. And what else is described here about Balaram? His reddish eyes. He's, uh, it says he's handsome. Balaram is handsome. Yeah. <clears throat> Sriman is the word. Uh, yeah. So he's um, naturally reddish eyes, even redder in his fury, accepted a wager of 100 million gold coins. So, so far now it seems like it's true that um, what Rukmi and the king of Kalinga, who doesn't seem to be named, have said that he is addicted to playing dice. God addicted? Hmm, how to understand this? But it seems like he is because he's, he lost then he won. Now he's, let's do some more of this, right? <laughs> now it's not a small amount, 100 million gold coins. How long would it take to count those? Lord Balaram fairly won this wager also, but Rukmi again resorted to cheating and declared, I have won. Let these witnesses here say what they saw. That's what Rukmi says. Short purport, Rukmi undoubtedly had his friends in mind when he called for the witnesses to speak. But even as his witnesses prepared to aid their cheating friend, a wonderful event took place as described in the next verse. Do you want to hear what happened? Yes. No? Yes. Yes. Tada bravin nabavani bale naiva jitoglaha dharmato vachane naiva rukmi vadati vai mrisha. Just when a vo- just then a voice from the sky declared. Balaram has fairly won this wager. Rukmi is surely lying. Hmm. Urged on by the wicked kings, Rukmi ignored the divine voice. What is wrong with him? In fact, destiny itself was urging Rukmi on. And thus he ridiculed Lord Balaram as follows. Yes, um, Prabhupada translates Kala Chodita as, um, which means, Kala of course means time. So the force of time, he was Chodita, he was impelled by time. And time is very much identified 
It's identified with the Lord. Krishna is also identified with just destiny, dying. Okay, now, what's Rukmi going to say? Oh, do you want to hear what he says? No? They want to hear, they don't want to. Okay. Rukmi said, You cowherds who wander about the forests know nothing about dice. Playing with dice and sporting with arrows are only for kings, not for the likes of you. <laughs> He's really fanning the fire of what's going to come very soon. Rukminaivam adikshipto rajabis chopahasita krudha parigam Udyamya jagne tang nrimna sansadi. Thus insulted by Rukmi and ridiculed by the kings, Lord Balaram was provoked to anger in the midst of the auspicious wedding assembly. He raised his club and struck Rukmi dead. <laughs> and we find this very amusing. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> well, that's the end of the story. <laughs> no, it's not quite the end. Kalingarajam tarasa grihitva dashame pade. Dant, uh, dantan apatayat apatayat krudho yo hasat vibritard vijayi. The king of Kalinga, who had laughed at Lord Balaram and shown his teeth, tried to run away. But the furious Lord quickly seized him on his tenth step and knocked out all his teeth. And we find this very amusing, don't we? Hare Krishna. Anye nirbhinna bahuru shirasa rudhirokshita. Rajano Dudruvur Bita Balaina Parigardita. Tormented by Lord Balaram's club, the other kings fled in fear, their arms, thighs, and heads broken, and their bodies drenched in blood. How sweet. <laughs> Okay, now here's, I think, an intriguing point. Nihate rukmini shale na bravit sadvasaduva rukmini balayorajan sneha banga bayat darihi. When his brother in law Rukmi was slain, Lord Krishna neither applauded nor protested, O King, for he feared jeopardizing his affectionate ties with either Rukmini or Balaram. <laughs> Talk about politics. Mm. There's one more verse which ends the chapter. Tato nirudham sahasurya yabanam ratan samarupya yayuk kushastalim ramadayo bojakatatasharha siddha kilartam madhusudanasraya. Then the descendants of Dasharha, headed by Lord Balaram, seated Aniruddha and his bride on a fine chariot and set off from Bojakarta for Dvaraka. 
having taken shelter of Lord Madhusudana, they had fulfilled all their purposes. And there's a short purport. Even though Rukmini was very dear to all the Dasharhas, her brother Rukmi had constantly opposed and insulted Krishna since Rukmini's wedding. Thus, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti explains, the associates of Lord Krishna could hardly lament Rukmi's sudden demise. <laughs> Thus end the purports of the humble servants of, of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada to the 10th canto, 61st chapter, of the Srimad Bhagavatam entitled, Lord Balaram Slays Rukmi. So Balaram has indeed slain Rukmi, and there seems to be no serious lamentation on his demise. We might ask, of course, what's the lesson from this story? I was thinking, well, uh, if we uh, remember how Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, gives a sort of um, analysis uh, of the, uh, the deaths of the various demons of Krishna in, of Krishna's, the demons who are opposed to Krishna in Vrindavan, how he gives allegorical explanations of them, that each of the demons represent various anartas in the heart, right? Can we think, can we remember any of these specifically? Any, um, so it starts, there's, there's Putana, there's Trinavarta, there's, who's next? Shakatasura. There's about 20 demons. And I always like to point out that Jiva Goswami says Krishna killed at least one demon per day in Vrindavan over an 11-year period. So the Bhagavatam is a summary. In any case, about 20, 22, including those uh, uh, from Balar, killed by Balaram, Denukasura. Um, so in any case, each of, as each of them are identified by Bhaktivinoda Thakur as one, as one can think of them as embodying or representing uh, different anartas in the heart. So what could we think of as, what could Rukmi be representing as an anarta of the heart? Let's see if. Any of you come up with any ideas? Cheating propensity. Cheating propensity, and specifically cheating who? God. <laughs> right. Arrogance. Yeah, arrogance, of course, and uh, pride, and uh, but it seems to me it's this cheating propensity that is especially. Uh, represented here, and of course we can say this: um, his his cheating is, um, or the anger of Balaram is provoked um, by his arrogance, by the show of teeth of Kalin, the king of Kalindi. Uh, all of this seems to provoke in Balaram uh, what we might want to call righteous anger, right? Righteous anger uh, is, you could say, something which is um, allowed for the Supreme Personality of Godhead to display. In this case, why is it righteous, we may say? It's righteous because um, Rukmi is cheating, right? Um, now, someone who's a little hmm, skeptical, perhaps, might say, well, 
how do we know that Balaram was not cheating? After all, if, if Balaram is the Supreme Lord, if Balaram is all-powerful, that means he would be able to control how the dice fall, right? Hmm. If he is able to control how the dice fall in a favorable way for himself, is that cheating? Hmm. <laughs> Who says it's cheating? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of... <laughs> Who says it's not cheating? Oh, we're about 50-50 here. I think we have, we have to have a debate now. <laughs> no. No, it's an interesting question that came to my mind this morning. Uh, in any case, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that. I'll table that. Uh, just to consider what does it mean that the Lord is... Um, well, what does it mean that he is all-powerful and what does it mean that he is the, the controller, the supreme controller? It's somewhat related, I think, to the question which Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur, he doesn't raise it as a question, but I've, I find it leads to an interesting question, and that is, on the one hand, we understand that the Lord is the absolute truth, but Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur, in one of his writings or one of his lectures, he also points out he's the supreme relative truth. The supreme relative truth? What does that mean? He is the supreme relative. He is relative. He is the best of relatives. That's one way to understand. So, um, we see ourselves always in relation to others, isn't it? Uh, we, we identify ourselves uh, as, as sons or daughters of our parents, as parents to our children, as, as brothers and sisters to our brothers and sisters, and so on and so on and so on. We have all of these relationalities. And of course, we want to understand our, we want to realize, we want to, hmm, we want to imbibe uh, the sense uh, that our prim primary and primordial relationship is with the Lord, is with Krishna. So that means he's the supreme relative truth. <laughs> but we have this use of the word relative when we juxtapose it to the word absolute as seeming to be something contrary to the idea of truth. Relative truth means no truth. <laughs> Isn't it? And so we deny relative truth. But it seems to me that something suggested in this passage that we've read is there are there there are there is a reality which is a supreme reality uh, to relationships, uh, and this is demonstrated by. For example, Balaram, in this case, expressing relationship by his anger and by his, his death knell. Uh, one could then ask, what is the relation? What is the ongoing relation? What happens to Rukmi after his death? We don't, we're not told. We're not told, but we understand from the case of Putana, right? 
Putin, what, what was Putana's destination after she was killed by Krishna? She becomes Krishna's nurse in Goloka, right? Uh, which is a demonstration of Krishna's supreme mercy. So we can expect that Rukmi must have... Rukmi's no ordinary person. He's killed by Balaram. That's quite special. To, to get the club of Balaram on our head, that would be a good thing. <laughs> no, not me, not yet. So, um, absolute truth, relative truth, Krishna, and particularly as Balaram, we may say, we get this sense of relativity. And this comes out, I think, in a very intriguing way in this uh, point made in the penultimate verse. Uh, what was it again? Yes, that... <laughs> Lord Bala, uh, sorry, Lord Krishna. When his brother-in-law Rukmi was slain, Lord Krishna neither applauded nor protested, O King, for he feared jeopardizing his affectionate ties with either Rukmini or Balaram. Lord Krishna fearing? Yes, Krishna fearing. What other example of Krishna's fearing can we think of? Immediately, we all remember <laughs> Yashoda running after little Krishna, and Krishna is quite fearful, we understand. Why is he fearful? Well, because Mother Yashoda wants to... Uh, she seems bent on punishing Krishna, and um, this is going to be a very... Uh, disturbing thing for Krishna, and Krishna is actually fearful. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says he's actually fearful. So we can presume that Krishna is here also actually fearful. Um, but the fear here is it's a different sort, obviously, um, but it has to do with his wanting to keep good relations. Obviously, he wants to have a nice, maintain a nice relation with his wife, Rukmini. Um, especially, we might want to say, after what happened in the previous chapter. What happened in the previous chapter? He's teasing Rukmini and it backfires. He's, 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 just wanting to have a little fun, and he's hoping Rukmini will kind of go, oh, ha, 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 that's very funny. But then what happens? She's, she, she faints. <laughs> She's crying. <laughs> Why? Because Krishna has been uh, joking about himself, about how unqualified he is. What kind of religion is this that we worship a God who tells us how unqualified he is to his, uh, his eternal consort, Rukmini? So possibly to repair, as part of his wanting to repair that relationship. Does this ever happen between husband and wife? Sometimes you'll have to tell me um, that... <laughs> Maybe the husband says something to the wife and, oh, I didn't mean it, dear, uh, like that. Oh, yes, you did, or whatever. And then, is, does it happen? No. It can, no. <laughs> Not in our family, never. <laughs> yeah, so then it's like, uh-oh, what have I done? Now I have to... Uh, I have to make up for this somehow. So it seems uh, Krishna may be feeling like that. And he also doesn't want to spoil his relation with his brother, with Balaram. So what, is, what does Krishna do? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that it's not possible to do nothing. 
nahi kaschit kshanam abhi jatu tishtatya karma krit. It's not possible. Karyate yavasha karma sarva prakriti jayagunai. Yeah. He says it's not possible not to do anything. For any of us, it's not possible, but for Krishna, it's possible to do nothing. That's what he's doing here. He's doing nothing. He's just <laughs> staying quiet. Uh, the broad mission of Krishna, what is the broad mission of Krishna? Krishna is coming into this world for three purposes, right? He's coming to, especially, well, he's dealing with two sorts of persons, with the devotees. He's, he's drawing the devotees in, and he's sending the non-devotees into the correctional institutions. And he is reestablishing dharma samstapana. He's reestablishing dharma. So we might want to think also hear a little about dharma, because the word dharma comes up in one of these verses uh, to say, here it is, dharmata. Yes, this is verse 33. Just then a voice from the sky declared, Balaram has fairly won this wager. Rukni is surely lying. And uh, fairly is translating dharmata out of dharma, from dharma. Um, I was reminded of another verse in the Gita. Mm. Krishna says in the seventh chapter, what is it? Balam balavatam asmi kamaraga vivarjita dharma virudho bhuteshu kamosmi paratarshama. Um, Balarama, bala, what does Bala mean? Strength. Strength. So, Balam Krishna says, I am Bala. I am strength. What kind of strength? Kama, Raga, Vivarjita. That strength which is free from Vivarjita, Kama and Raga, from, uh, from Kama, from, well, the word kama is complicated. Uh, Prabhupada translates it often as lust. It can broadly just mean desire. Um, selfish, any, the opposite of prema, we might want to say. Mm. And raga, of course, means attachment. So kama, raga, vivarjita. Bala, that strength which is free from, from selfish desire, from attachment, that Bala, I am, Krishna says. Bala, bala, bala me of, of all kinds of power. And then he says, Dharma abhirudho bhuteshu kamosmi. I am kama. <laughs> he just said, I'm bala, which is free from kama. Now he says, I am kama, which is free from a dharma. Dharma avirudha. Uh, I'm, I am that, and Prabhupada, I think he translates it, I am sex life, <laughs> at, uh, which is uh, following dharma. Hmm. So if we think about this in relation to Balaram, Balaram is through dharma, or in a dharmic way, fairly, it says he's fairly um, one in this gambling match. Um, and that suggests, because it's Balaram, that he is doing this free from <coughs> desire and attachment. So again, thinking, who is Balaram? Balaram is the first attached uh, expansion of Krishna. Uh, he is the supreme personality of Godhead. And as such, uh, his um, playing dice is divine play. And as divine play, uh, he's having a good time. And as divine play, it's 
something of a comedy. And that's, I think, why we laugh when we hear that Rukmi has just been smashed and the teeth of the king of Kalinga, whose name remains anonymous, have been smashed. And they all go back home feeling that now what they came for has been accomplished. So we get this nice, happy ending to the story of Lord Balaram slaying Rukmi. Sri Balaram Ki Chai. These are some thoughts. Um, I'm sorry that it's a kind of scattered collection of thoughts, but um, perhaps we, if we have some further thoughts, we can consider them. Yes, Balaram Pran is going to speak. Um, I was wondering if there is any... Closer. I was wondering if there is any significance for that Balaram is killing this uh, certain demon, so to say. Because I, w- I once heard that those anathas that killed by Balaram has a certain meaning. Could you say something about that? No. <laughs> Can anyone else remind us? Is there a specific distinction here? Of course, Mahendra Prabhu will know. This only refers to Lila in Vrindavan, the demons killed by Balaram, as Bhakti Vinotakurse explains that. Those who kill by Balaram represent the anarthas which the devotees should try to endeavor by their own, by their own endeavor and prayer to get free. Oh, I see. Okay. So, whereas the, um, the demons killed by Krishna we want to meditate that it's Krishna who has destroyed those anartas. Is that? And whereas those of Balar... Okay, that's very nice. So, but you're saying those are limited to uh, the Leelas in Vrindavan, so we would need to be cautious about applying them here. Um, Still, what's wrong with making an endeavor, right, uh, to not cheat God, <laughs> right? Uh, I think we could still say that. Would you agree? <laughs> yes, probably. Uh, thank you, Maharaj, for uh, um, exposition. Um, mm, I was wondering, yeah, you put light on the this story that in this past time, I actually just Rukmi was killed. You know, seems like all others were hurt, or uh, but uh, so that's a special mercy for uh, Rukmi, mm-hmm. and um, this is just a thought. And then uh, I was thinking that uh, we, as conditioned souls, we are covered by Maya. Uh, like to <coughs> enhance uh, our uh, so-called pastimes <coughs> in this material world. And Krishna and Balaram, they are covered by Yoga Maya to enhance yes. their... Uh. Ca- can be correct, this uh, similarity? <laughs> That's an interesting parallel. Um, I like how you've used the word enhance. <laughs> We want to enhance our engagement in this world. Um, I would say it's not wrong. Um, what what is I don't know. Not all of you are are um, native English speakers, but enhance enhance has the sense of enrichment of uh, some sort of uh, increase of. Uh, getting more of something to an, or you can enhance your political position by various manipulations. There's a lot of use of that word. Um, okay. Um, I think we as devotees wanting to remember Krishna and Krishna's pastimes, we want to um, appreciate how Krishna enhances his pastimes by um, 
the arrangement of, or he allows, or he arranges for yoga maya to do, to, to make the arrangements. But it's significant here, of course, to remember, Balaram is very much involved in making tasteful arrangements for Krishna's pastimes, isn't it? Um, so yes, we in the material world are trying um, desperately to enhance our quote-unquote pastimes in this world, uh, whereas Krishna is just the... He, he's not desperately enhancing. He is joyfully and, um, and effort, we can say, effortlessly enhancing his pastimes by the arrangement of yoga maya and, yes, with the help of Balaram. That's what comes to my mind. Um, and as I was saying, this is, uh, it strikes us as, as humorous. And, and that, in a sense, is a little strange, considering it's, there's lots of violence. And as you said, um, Rukmi is killed, no one else is killed, but there's a lot of blood and there's a lot of loss of teeth and so on. Uh, why is it that we can be amused by all of this? Well, one way of understanding is from sort of Western classical analysis, understanding there's comedy, there's tragedy. Tragedy is, uh, happens when there is death, and the understanding is the death is final. So a Shakespearean tragedy is, you can call it a tragedy, because when Hamlet dies, he really dies. <laughs> That's the sense you feel when you see the, the drama. Um, but, um, and one, one Sanskrit, I read this years ago, one Sanskritist uh, who was quite accomplished decided he wanted to try translating Shakespeare into Sanskrit. So he tried with one of the tragedies, and he found it terribly difficult and practically impossible. But he found that to translate the comedies was no difficulty at all. Hmm. Uh, why is that? Because no one ever really dies. <laughs> no one ever really dies, um, isn't it? So, so in that sense... I don't know if this is relevant or not, but um, you can you can say boo if it, if you say uh, if you consider. But uh, some British, perhaps poet, uh, made the observation that for those for people who think life is a comedy, and for people who feel life is a tragedy. So then, how does those two relate? Well, perhaps uh, the point is for devotees that we learn to uh, feel in a way which is uh, infused with uh, devotional thinking in such a way that this world is certainly tragic, but it leads us, it impels us to go where there is an uh, endless festival taking place, uh, which is full of amusing and wonderful activities of the Lord. That didn't go over very well. Okay. Uh, or it left you thinking. Oh, that's good. Thinking is good. Uh, is that okay? Yes. Maybe any of the ladies have comment, question? Yes. Mm -hmm. I can speak loud. Um, about. Um, you made a very nice point, Marriage, about um, the truth being relative as well. And I was thinking, is it the main reason because Krishna has this uh, 
relative relationship with each and every soul, so which, with each and every one of us, and thus, because of that, <laughs> the truth or the reality becomes relative. I don't know if you could say something about that. Bhakti is all about relationships, right? And, um, and uh, we can say ontologically, uh, bhakti is primary. Relation is primary. So from that perspective, then, yeah, we can't even conceive of, and as Prabhupada would say, we don't see picture of Krishna alone, Uh, Krishna is always with his associates, with his associates. Um, and so when we speak of the absolute truth, it's not a truth which is without, it's a truth which as its root is relationality. How's that? At the, at the, found, at the root of Absolute truth is absolute relationality. Now I'm, now I'm starting to sound strange. Okay, I better stop there. Hare Krishna. <laughs> uh, I think you had a question. Yes. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you. I was thinking the topic was about offenses toward God or how to not make God angry. And, um, offenses? Offenses toward God. Toward God. And um, we see the whole Vedic literature is basically instructing us to not make offenses any, in any case, under any case, in the circumstance, because it's very yeah, bad for our spiritual life. But still, We see so many cases where offenses toward the devotees of the Lord or uh, actually brought some more Jews to all uh, think, like Durva Samuni or the <laughs> Kuvera Manigriva <laughs> Mani or uh, yeah, yeah. Rukmi or oh, yeah, all of the demons. So they got actually blessings. And uh, so I'm Therefore, trying. Therefore, we should actually make offenses. <laughs> yeah, so that's my plan then. <laughs> Was there a relationship of our offenses and those offenses? <laughs> uh, the relation between our offenses and the offenses of the likes of Rukmi. Um, ours tend to be much less in proportion. Otherwise, we would be feeling the club of Balaram directly on our head. Um, the, the, the relation, well, the... Failure is the pillar of success. We, we uh, understand that uh, through our failures, which may include all sorts of offenses, of, um, there's, a f there's sins of, com of commitment, commission, and sins of omission, um, <coughs> according to Catholic theology. Um, so, sometimes we do something wrong by doing something, and sometimes we do something wrong by not doing something. Um, but all of it, we're looking for, I th I, we're looking for lessons, and we're looking for, um, uh, we're opening, we, we want to open ourselves to divine grace, to Krishna's grace. And that means especially we're opening ourselves to listen more carefully, I would say. We want to, we, we want to be able to hear uh, the Lord. We want, we want, Rukmi couldn't hear <laughs> this, well, maybe he heard the divine uh, message, but he ignored it. So um, sometimes we may, have you ever had this experience? You, you felt like you got some intuition, some hint, do like this, don't do like that, and go, ah. And then you do something and 
you get slapped or worse. No, never happened to you? Huh? Daily. Daily. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so like that. Yeah. Um, yes, Nephi. Yeah. <clears throat> I was wondering, uh, you're speaking about the tragedy of this world and the festivity of the other world and how, how, uh, how realistic is it for, for me to think that, okay, uh, I can turn, I can experience these festivities here already in this tragic world. Uh, yes, for a fallen <clears throat> soul, yeah, to experience that in this world in their early stages of Krishna consciousness. This was a cue. We planned this in advance. This was a cue to say something about Rabindesh Mellows. <laughs> yes. So one way we might want to think of Rabindesh Mellows, which, where does Rabindesh Mellows happen? Oh yeah, it happens at Rabindesh. Where are we? Oh, yes, we're at Ranadesh. And it's happening, right? Starting this evening, I think, and going. Uh, today's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, it ends Sunday night, is that it? Okay. Monday morning. Yeah. If we're still, if we've, yeah, if we're still in one piece. <laughs> Um, it just came to my mind once I was uh, at a kirtan retreat in Germany. This is several years ago. Um, His Holiness Sachinanan Swami was there. His Holiness Bibi Govinda Maharaj was there. And I remember um, the evening before there had been a you know, super rocking kirtan led by Bibi Govinda Maharaj. And, uh, and I saw him the next morning and I said, Maharaj, you turned that, um, that kirtan from playing harmonium to pandemonium. <laughs> and he said, yes, actually it's been said that a festival is not successful unless it ends in pandemonium. You know what pandemonium is? No one's laughing because you don't know what it means. <laughs> pandemonium means total madness. <laughs> total madness. Everyone bouncing off the walls. <laughs> anyway, okay, forget that. Um, so, but the point I wanted to make is we can, I think a nice meditation would be that um, we're all coming together in the shelter of Shishi Radha Gopinath, Shishi Jagannath Subhandra Maladev, Shishi Gornitai, and uh, all the Acharyas. And so they're kind of opening up kind of opening up the doors to the spiritual world and allowing us to, you know, look in. And not just look in, but hear. We can, we can look, we can hear, we can, uh, and we can join in. So that festival, which is ongoing in the spiritual world, um, when we have a festival here, it's, it's um, we're getting a, a nice taste of that festival that's going on there. So I think the response to your question, can we? Yes, we can. We can experience something of that. It's, it's happening. Does that make sense? On that, on that note, which we planned out, actually, no, we didn't plan. <laughs> 
I'll say thank you all very much. Have a wonderful day today and a wonderful festival. Grantaraj Sriman Bhagavatam ki jai. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Nitai Gaur Premanande. Aribo. Shri Balaram ki jai.